Welcome to the Staying Golden podcast, where we'll be catching up with Laurier alumni to give the Laurier community a glimpse of what the future may hold after graduation. We would like to acknowledge that Wilfrid Laurier University and its campuses are located on the Haldimand Tract, traditional territory of the neutral Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. COVID-19 is affecting our Laurier community. As students adapt to online learning and the challenges that come with the pandemic, alumni have been working together to support them. Laurier students are showing incredible resilience, but the challenges are not over. Send a message to your fellow Golden Hawks that you're here to help. Donate to the Student Emergency Fund at laurieralumni.ca students and spread the Laurier love today. Welcome back to the Staying Golden podcast. Today I'm here with Andrew Good, Laurier Brantford class of 2012. So Andrew, how are you today? I'm doing well, Riley. How are you? I'm doing great. We've had a, you know, fresh right into the new year. Hopefully 2021 is not quite the roller coaster that 2020 was. Yes, let's hope. We can only hope at this point. So this is actually kind of perfect for you. Speaking of, you know, the roller coaster of 2020 as a public health um, worker, you know, this is your field. So can you just, just, you got your health studies, um, you got your BA at Laurier in health studies. Um, so how was that program for you? How did you find that? The program was great. It was very key to influencing my path as an occupational health specialist, which, you know, falls under the umbrella of public health. So you got your BA in health studies at Laurier. Um, I was really um, intrigued by this. I saw that it was a BA. I was surprised. So how does health studies fit into the framework of a BA versus the kind of health studies that would fit into the framework of a Bachelor of Science, for example? So one is more of a social versus a natural science. So the difference is in the coursework. So maybe a better distinction would be what's a health studies degree versus a health sciences degree, because there are two different areas of focus. So a health sciences degree focuses more on the biomedical model. So that means treating a condition, disease, or illness, right? When you go to your uh, general practitioner, let's say that would be health sciences. Whereas a health studies degree has a greater focus on the social and environmental factors that relate to how negative health comes uh, may come about. So there's more of a focus on uh, public and community health, you know, specifically looking at areas of social determinants of health, um, socioeconomic status, and our social and physical environments. So how do our cities, our neighborhoods, or our workplaces, how can they impact our health? I think that's great. I took a health economics course this semester, um, and that's kind of what it was about to a certain extent, you know, the, um, the kind of the economic implications of health. And I know that in health science programs, people do have to take a few courses on the social determinants of health. That's what your program was kind of centered around, correct? That's right. And in health, health studies is similar to we take uh, uh, some courses that are more in the uh, health sciences stream. So uh, courses on anatomy and, and uh, mechanisms of disease. Uh, so you still touch upon that, but it's more about intervention and prevention in the community um, rather than focusing on, uh, say, more downstream, which is the individual. So we look at the upstream. So what is what are the bigger issues at play rather than focusing on the individual, which would be downstream? Okay. So in terms of your studies at Laurier, um, I kind of just wanted to ask you about like, what was your experience like at Laurier's Brantford campus? 
and like you know what was the culture like in your time at Laurier so it's a smaller campus so you could liken it to like a small town mm -hmm. um you know you're always going to run into somebody that you know uh closer knit friends that you maintain throughout the duration of your, your program. Uh, also, you know, greater integration uh, with the local community. You're going into the stores and you're using the same services at the downtown campus as the local community members. Even if you look at the, uh, the new YMCA, right? It sticks to the whole community integration feel. Um, so if you're working out there, you're working out with uh, other people in the community. So it, it, you really feel like you're a part of the downtown core of Brantford. Uh, when, when you compare it to another campus or uh, your typical university campus, which is uh, somewhat more isolated, um, there's a university campus environment in a, in a community, university community. But uh, at Laurier Brantford, you're you feel like you're part of a, a greater community. Yeah, that's kind of what the um, trend has been so far with people with um, the previous interviews. Um, most people find that, you know, the small campus made it a really tight knit community. Um, and you kind of get to see the development of the community as well. Um, something that you don't really get to notice too much when you're in a bigger at a bigger school. No, you um, definitely took pride in it too. Um, I remember when I was there, they were working on um, uh, the research and academic buildings. So um, it was a common, um, you know, common theme among the Laurier Brantford students to take pride in the new developments and the growth of the campus. Uh, we were really champions for the growth of not only the, the physical campus, but its reputation as well. And uh, trying to take pride, uh, you know, sometimes when you have the reputation at the time of uh, being referred to as a satellite campus kind of creates a little bit of a chip on your shoulder, right? Um, you want to be respected just like any other campus. So there's definitely a strong sense of pride uh, in the growth and the development of the campus. Um, I definitely can relate in a, to a certain extent going to Laurier's, I go to Laurier's Waterloo campus. So even though it's not quite as small as the uh, Brantford campus, of course, it's, it definitely does have like somewhat of a small school environment because the population of Laurier is relatively smaller than a lot of other schools. Definitely. And I'm sure, you know, if you were to compare your thoughts and feelings um, to say a Brantford campus student, you may find some of those, um, like the pride in being a smaller community uh, really gets emphasized. Like when you walk around that campus, you're going to run into somebody that you know. Yeah, definitely. So I kind of wanted to get into asking you about um, your post-grad um, education. So you attended University of Waterloo for your master's. But you, before that, you took a couple years off in between, um, in between doing your BA and your master's. So did you plan to do your master's initially? Or was this something that you kind of decided to do after having some time away from school? and just kind of wanted to get into like, what kind of factors influenced you to pursue a graduate degree? Right, so actually after um, completing my degree at Laurier, Laurier I spent uh, a year at Western uh, completing a graduate diploma in occupational health and safety. So um, after the program at Western, I started to work full-time in the field of uh, occupational health and safety while still taking courses part-time at at different institutions, um, at Ryerson, at, at Laurier, um, at Western, um, until I just 
decided to um, work on my master's part-time. So while working full-time still. So I saw the uh, master's of public health program at, uh, at Waterloo. I heard good things about it and I decided why not. Um, I, I've pretty much been a professional student my entire life. Only recently have I kind of taken a step back to take a break um, a little bit. Um, so really I hadn't stopped being a student up until I think I started taking a break uh, in 2020. I kind of cooled off a little bit on uh, uh, taking courses. So did you say that you were doing your master's while working full-time? Yes, so it was a part-time master's, but I was working full-time. Okay, so, so how many years did that take you compared to what it would have taken if you had studied full-time? So if you really wanted to do full-time, it probably would have taken two years, but um, I'm in no, I was in no rush. Uh, I was in no rush to get my master's uh, completed. It's something I wanted, but um, I just wanted to enjoy, you know, enjoy the, the journey, if you will, um, and take it in as I could. Uh, Work-life balance is still important, right? So um, there's, there's still more to life than work in school. So I wanted to make sure that there was enough time to still um, enjoy the other things in life. I think, I think that's a really good, um, that's a good thing for this podcast, you know, having someone who worked full time while taking part time studies, because I know that there are people, including myself, who, you know, they're, they consider pursuing um, a postgrad education, but they'd also want to try and, you know, get into the field and start working, gaining some experience. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's kind of, you know, it gives some hope for people who are kind of having mixed feelings and not sure what to do. Because it shows that, you know, you can, you can do both at once if you really want to, you know, you can kind of pursue further education while also gaining that experience in the field. And, um, you know, you, you have downtime when you're working full time, I'm sure. And there is, you know, there's time that you can dedicate to uh, pursuing your education further while still making money and not having to commit full time to school. I think that's really a positive, um, just kind of like a positive sign for people like me, particularly who aren't really 100% sure of what they want to pursue um, going forward. So it definitely. gives us kind of, you know, some hope. Yeah, definitely. And they can be complimentary. Your work life isn't always going to go as smoothly as you'd like it. You might not get that promotion that you've been seeking. Um, you may feel lost. Um, but I found uh, those are some things that you sometimes you just can't control, right? But one thing you can control is your education, right? So I found success in, you know, completing a course, right? Or, you know, if you get a good grade, these are, these are things that can keep you motivated and help you feel good um, if other things aren't really working out for you at, at the time. So, and that can go both ways too, right? Sometimes your work life, um, can be going really well and maybe you're struggling in a course but if you get a win at work or you get that promotion then that feels great and motivates you to work harder at school so i find that they can complement each other if you're doing if you're working full time and and doing school part time i found that um both parts of my life were motivating factors 
uh, for the other. Yeah, I'm, I, I get what you mean um, in terms of like, you know, like you said, like the work and school balance, kind of how they, you know, they complement each other. I know personally, I'm kind of looking to um, find that kind of balance afterwards too, because I do want to pursue further education, but I'm not sure exactly, um, you know, how to mix it in with my, my career, um, you know, my career aspirations and stuff like that. So knowing that, you know, there's a lot of people like you that have had, you know, similar experiences in terms of trying to pursue two things at once, it definitely does give me something to kind of look to and kind of um, try to emulate in terms of um, advancing my own education while advancing my career and stuff like that. It's never a straight path. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I got into occupational health specifically um, because I had a friend um, whose dad worked for the Ministry of Labor and he uh, worked as a workplace in inspector. So he would go around and, you know, it's his job to make sure that uh, employers are um, creating a safe work environment for their workers. So my interactions with him um, and reaching out to him uh, is really what refocused my path towards occupational health. Because when I finished my, or as I was coming towards the end of my undergraduate degree, I wasn't really sure how I wanted to apply it because public health is a very broad field. A lot of degrees, undergraduate degrees, if not all undergraduate degrees are, are fairly broad um, in general and it requires us to make decisions and focus. And the more information we take in, uh, the more people that we interact with in, in different fields, you know, we can eventually find something um, that interests us. But we have to, that's an important piece that I think is often overlooked. Um, some, some people I find expect, or some students expect um, the path to be clear just by going to class, getting the grades and getting the diploma but that's not always necessarily the case. You have to take advantage of the different networking opportunities that the university can offer, reaching out, volunteering, um, engaging in, in different co-op placements, things like this I find um, really help, can really help give you a leg up in making some of these decisions. I think that's really good insight, especially for like the purpose of the podcast, kind of to, you know, inform uh, Laurier students kind of on, you know, what the future holds, what it may hold and what they can do and what they can pursue in the future post, uh, post undergrad, specifically just for people who are, you know, uncertain. And I think that you kind of give us a little bit of hope in terms of knowing that, you know, if you're going to get on the, on the right path eventually. Um, you just Definitely. have to kind of find what you're interested in and find what you think you, you're good at. Exactly. So I did want to get into, um, you know, you you, you had a few years of experience working in like public health and safety, I but you recently got a job at Laurier and I saw that your your title is compliance and risk. So what does your current role entail and why did you decide to take on this role? Uh, so my current role supports Laurier through the development of programming to ensure compliance is in place and risk is reduced as it relates to key operations. So anything from how we work on campus, how we go about conducting research, how we go about engaging with, with student activities or athletic activities, 
basically my goal is to help support the institution by helping uh, to ensure a safe environment for both the students and for those that teach the students, such as the faculty or those that help provide programming, such as the staff. So why did I decide to take this role? Uh, well, Laurier is a, is a great employer. Um, the role offers a lot of opportunity to interact with many different individuals and activities. So I may be helping, say, consult with athletics on how to run a day camp, right, in the summer. Or I could be helping a faculty member engage in research in the Yukon. So there's a lot of variety and a lot of opportunity to learn from and interact with different individuals. Um, it's easy to take for granted uh, the whole idea that I get to go work for an institution that engages in research to make the world a better place or to teach the next generation, right? To work for an employer that engages in these activities uh, gives a sense of self-worth um, for everyone that works there, knowing that we're supporting that, um, it's a good feeling. So I would say that's one of the benefits of working for an organization like Laurier. You feel like your work means something and there's plenty of opportunity. Okay. How did your experience working in health and safety in the public sector lead you to this job at Laurier? Or did you kind of just like stumble upon it? Were there other factors that kind of influenced you to work there? Or, you know, was this kind of like a natural path? But the path is always natural, I guess, when you look back on it, but it was never clear that I would end up here if you could rewind eight years. Out of school, I started work in the private sector, working for an engineering firm, providing health and safety consultation on different work sites, um, primarily in oil and gas and automotive sectors, but everything from you know food and beverage to pulp and paper. So my first job right out of university or when I was uh, no longer a full-time student uh, I just stumbled upon that job as well um, by handing out a resume and getting an interview. And I remember handing out, you know, 50 resumes and going to plenty of interviews. And I just so happened to land at a really good spot that allowed me to engage with different companies such as Esso and ExxonMobil, Ford and Toyota, being able to go in and see what these different organizations are doing from a health and safety perspective helped shape my methods and how I go about uh, my job, really. So that first job was key. And then an opportunity came up uh, to support health and safety specifically on the Laurier-Brantford campus. So I, I took that job just because I moved back to Brantford and it seemed like a really good opportunity uh, for me. And from that, I also gained more knowledge in, uh, you know, uh, the public sector, which is uh, definitely more policy driven, um, definitely a little bit more broad. It's, it's different. And then I actually ended up going back to my uh, first company for a little bit um, in a management role. And then this opportunity came up again, uh, or sorry, another opportunity came up uh, at Laurier. Uh, so I then went back to Laurier again. So I bounced around quite a bit. It's never a a straightforward path. I was going to jump in. I wanted to ask you, did the fact that you were once a Laurier Brantford student influence you to pursue this job at Laurier? Not necessarily. I think it was more just, um, I was lucky that the opportunity had come up and it was an opportunity that I pursued. Obviously, I couldn't have predicted it, but when I saw the opportunity come up, I, I went for it, right? And that's basically what I've done my whole 
career, right? Basically, it was just, it was there, so I applied for it. It wasn't any sort of plan of mine to go full circle as a student and then return back as, a, as an employee for Laurier. Um, it's just a happy coincidence. Okay. So given that you work in occupational health, I'm assuming um, that the current COVID pandemic has been a key focus for you in your role. So I just want to ask you, um, can you give me a brief rundown of how COVID has impacted your role at the university? Definitely. So 2020 has been definitely a unique and challenging year. Um, you know, given what I do for a living, uh, it is rare to be faced with the types of challenges presented by this pandemic. The type of challenge that's presented uh, and uh, of this scale may not be presented again to occupational health professionals for some time. Um, COVID-19 is a workplace hazard, just like any other workplace hazard, but it's literally everywhere, right? So how do we control for this? How do we go about functioning as an organization to ensure the safety of students, staff, and faculty? It's important that we continue forward and we find a way. So in my role, I help facilitate this by providing consultation. Uh, myself and my department that I work for at the university, we look at all the different types of activities that take place from teaching courses, to running the library, to delivering mail uh, across campus. All of these things have been impacted. How can we do them safely? So all of these activities are broken down and assessed uh, on an individual basis. And we try to figure out a way to do it safely to ensure that you know, we do our best to mitigate exposure. It's a pandemic, it's, it's spread throughout the entire planet, right? Um, it's here uh, for now. So how can we protect and limit exposure? It's not, it's not possible to eliminate exposure, right? It's very challenging unless we all physically locked ourselves in our homes. There's no way that we can 100% squash the virus unless it mutates into something less dangerous and uh, less uh, infectious and it goes away on its own or we get a vaccine. All we can do is try to look at what we do, and in my role, look at what we do as an institution and reduce the exposure as much as possible. Okay. So like we were talking about earlier, um, speaking about the, you know, the social determinants of health and the likes, um, I was just kind of curious if you could just give like a brief example in, you know, uh, in relation to COVID. So what would be some of the social or socioeconomic um, uh, determinants that, or socioeconomic factors that might um, impact or influence the spread of COVID. So like what kind of, you know, different people that might be more affected by COVID, um, things like that. Right, so I'm privileged uh, because I can work from home most of the time, right? My physical work environment is my home. By default, in relation to COVID, that limits my exposure compared to someone who say is a frontline worker. Or let's say they work in a grocery store, right? Mm -hmm. And you can see the differences there, right? So someone who works in a grocery store who's a frontline worker, they have different circumstances that put them at greater risk, right? And maybe they can't quit their job, especially if their employer is unsafe or they don't have the proper protocols in place or say their employer doesn't take the virus seriously. There are a lot of smaller employers um, that may not take the virus seriously, and that will impact someone's potential health outcomes or well-being. 
and that it would be a social determinant, right? One hundred percent, especially considering that those those are usually, you know, most of those jobs that are at highest risk are you know mostly lower wage jobs compared to the jobs that you can work from home. Those are more likely to be you know white collar, um, you know, higher wage jobs, and for the most part, correct. They, those that work in those frontline positions are often not in a position to take a leave to remove themselves from that potential exposure and which this basically results in inequity, right? Yes, I, I, I'm glad that we got to touch on that. I kind of just wanted to, you know, get like a quick, you know, a brief analysis from your point of view of how we can approach COVID from the perspective of, you know, um, occupational and public health. So I think that was a, that was a great little way to kind of close off our, this segment of the podcast. So just kind of wrapping it up, um, you know, more, I just wanted to kind of get like circle back to talking about you a little bit more. Um, so I just wanted to ask, um, you know, you graduated from your undergrad in 2012. Um, you've been, like you said, you've been continuing to um, add on to your education, taking different courses um, and trying to, you know, um, I guess, diversify your, um, your knowledge base. So I kind of just wanted to ask you what's next, you know, are you happy with what you've done thus far? And are there any things that you want to accomplish going forward, either in your profession or in your personal life um, with either, you know, your family, friends, any hobbies that you have, just, I guess, kind of just a brief little talk about you. What's, what's going forward for you? What does 2021 look like? Right. So I don't have just like the rest of my career uh, speaking professionally, I do not have a template or a blueprint on what comes next. Um, I know what's worked for me. And one thing that, you know, helps kind of reduce the anxiety around where am I going in life is sometimes you just, that, that, that path is not laid out for you, right? So I've just continued to be a lifelong student, to be honest, and just taken every opportunity that's been given to me and try to do my best and work hard at it. Um, opportunities tend to present themselves um, when you go about your work like this. Um, it may be clearer for others. Uh, like I can always go for more certifications, right? Or for another master's or, um, you know, different diplomas. These are all things that I can pursue going forward. And I'm sure I will pursue, continue to pursue these things, but um as far as uh, long-term professional goals, it will just be to continue to do what I'm doing right now um, and continue to grow as a professional. Uh, with regards to uh, personal life, um, I would eventually like to get involved again in uh, volunteering in my uh, local community. Um, I know while being a student at Laurier, um, in Brantford, I was given the opportunity to support different uh, community organizations, uh, such as uh, the Why Not Youth Center and Crossing All Bridges Learning Center. And there's something to be said about that type of work um, that goes outside of your professional life uh, and the rewards it can bring. Um, also, I'm newly married and uh, just enjoying married life. And that's been great. And uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm focused on for the new year. Okay, perfect. I'm glad that we kind of just got to get a brief little rundown of, you know, 
what, how you're approaching this year, how you're approaching the future. Um, I think that's kind of, you know, you know, while we talk about your career, um, I think the personal life is always a good thing to touch upon because I think a lot of times, you know, people start to, um, you know, we define ourselves sometimes by our career and not so much by the other things that we do in our life. And sometimes those other things, you know, are more important to our well-being and our happiness in general than what our career path is per se. Um, so I think for students that will be listening to this podcast, um, I think what we can take away is that, you know, as much as we can focus on our career, we can focus on that. There are the little things in life that we should learn to appreciate. Um, like you said, you know, volunteering in your community, um, that's something that you take pride in and you're hoping to be able to have the time and have the opportunity to do again. So I think that's something that we can kind of take away and look at and say, you know what, you know, as much as we have, you know, a lot of hopes and dreams, a lot of um, focus and emphasis being placed on our career at the current moment, um, we should try and, you know, sometimes take a step back, look at the other little things in life that we do appreciate, and how can we kind of use those things to, um, you know, better our current situation, better ourselves, and improve our, you know, well-being and our morale overall. So I think that's a really good insight that you gave in that um, regard. So just kind of, you know, to wrap it up finally, is there any advice that you would give to students um, that might be listening to this podcast and how they can maybe approach the next couple of years, um, specifically following this, you know, roller coaster of a year that we've just had um, and are still continuing to have, obviously? What kind of advice would you give to students who aren't really sure what the future holds, especially during these turbulent times? Sure. So what I would say is, um, I guess, don't let your circumstances define who you are. Like, I know it is challenging now. It's challenging for many people right now. But look at it for what it is. It's a challenge, right? It's an opportunity. Um, I would say go out and try different things, learn different things, and interact with as many different people with different ideas as you can. Uh, we all eventually will find something that we're good at or passionate about. Um, and then you work at it. So sometimes it's going to happen a little faster uh, for others, but just keep focused on your own path. And, um, you know, as you've already spoke to it, enjoy it. Stop and smell the roses, right? Um, if you work hard and you stay focused and you know, you keep your mind open to different opportunities uh, and you take a risk every so often, you're going to find that everything's going to work out. Um, it, it's not always going to be a straight path, especially now. It's, it's very different than, say, it was generations previous. It's roles aren't as well defined or, or straightforward, right? So just find something you like doing and, and explore it a little bit. I think that's, that's a great little piece of advice for us. So I'd like to obviously say thank you very much for, you know, the advice that you've given, you know, the insight that you've offered. And of course, thank you for coming on the show, um, on the podcast and sharing your experience. Um, of course, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do that, especially during, you know, what is technically a holiday, the, the holiday season for you. So thank you very much again. Um, from me and the rest of the team at Laurier Alumni um, for coming out and uh, participating in this little um, venture.
Definitely. Anytime.